When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Escaping Denver. Batch 3 Special. The Creatures of Escaping Denver. Hours out, and of course I'm lighting candles, but the only candles I have are the ones I've received as gifts, so now my apartment smells like pumpkin spice. I'm not complaining. Right. Noah and Sarah have faced their share of creatures while trapped miles underneath the Denver International Airport, and since I've been so busy trying to sort through their messages, I really haven't had the time to dive into them in any great detail. So... Thought it was time to invite over a few friends of the podcast for a very special episode of The Creatures of Escaping Denver. They're people I can trust. That's what I need right now. So I'll let them take over while I go to work on the next batch of messages, and I'll be back next week. Welcome to The Creatures of Escaping Denver. My name is Marta Wesselhoff. I'm a comedian, podcaster, encrypted enthusiast. Uh, So excited to be here today talking about some of the creatures that are featured in Escaping Denver. Um, I want to welcome our first guest and cryptid expert, Max Mitchell. Tell me who you are and what do you know about cryptids? Uh, Hello, Marta. Thanks uh, for having me. Big thanks to the Escaping Denver team and fans as well for having having me on um who am i i am uh i am a semi bigfoot expert 10 years ago i had a bigfoot podcast and i was recruited from the ether to come and discuss bigfoot and other such creatures on this podcast i'm also the owner operator of boom pro wrestling here in vancouver canada thanks so much for having me awesome thank you max we are very excited to have you. Um, also joining today, uh, I would like to welcome Matthew Hall. Matthew, tell us who you are and what do you know about cryptids? Uh, yeah, thanks so much for having me. Uh, my name is Matthew Hall, and I play Ukrainian soldier number two in Escaping Denver. I also produce the show. Uh, before I wanted to be a struggling producer here in Vancouver, uh, I actually wanted to be a zoologist there's a a little write-up from when i was in grade two and it's like what do you want to be when you grow up and i was that weird kid so i've always had a huge love and fascination for various cryptids and this show has just kind of become the perfect uh mechanism and, and place to house that 
But I'm really looking forward to talking about uh, a hairy alligator with everyone. Yeah, I'm really excited to learning to learn about the hairy alligator because I know nothing about this creature. Um, and and I, I think, yeah, I think we just jump right in. Let's let's hear about this hairy alligator. You know, the hairy alligator has a, a special place in, I think, the entire production team's heart. It was the second cryptid we ran into after the chupacabras. But it hasn't been explained. It hasn't been explained what it is. And it's it's a little unique compared to some other things we've seen. Uh, first off, it's a hairy alligator. It's huge, huge, dangerous force. But seemingly, it's one of one, which is makes it interesting right away. We haven't seen any others. We haven't heard about any others. Uh, and all the other cryptids we've encountered so far have either been working for the collective directly. In the case of the Chupacabra, we imagine maybe more behind the scenes being trained to do that. We're kind of living more feral in the biodome, uh, but it's taken a piece of the facility itself, some hallways, some labs, some stairwells, and made its own den there. And in season one, we see a few collective soldiers encounter the hairy alligator and they, they have automatic weapons and seemingly they're trying to kill it and defend themselves. It doesn't work out. So whatever this is, the collective is either unwilling or unable or, in, or uninterested and dislodging it from its its den. So immediately it sparked a lot of fan attention. Uh, and the week that episode dropped, someone sent us an email and they were like, I got it. I know exactly what it is. You guys thought you were so clever. And that's the theory I want to talk about today. It's not even, it's mine. It's this fan theory was so well constructed, so interesting. I want to talk about uh, Amit, which is a, a creature, a demon or goddess, depending on uh, who you ask, from Egyptian mythology. And it's not exactly a household name, but I think for some fans who are listening, they may have just, you know, had that light bulb turn on moment, or maybe they were thinking this themselves. Once again, I'm not confirming that it is Amit, but there's a lot of parallels. There's a lot of interesting stuff about this hairy alligator from Egyptian mythology as well. First off, it resides at the mouth of the underworld. Uh, it's, uh, it sits at the left-hand side of Anubis, which is a, a name that some people might know as the god of the Egyptian underworld. Uh, and it's part of a really important ritual in Egyptian mythology, uh, judging the dead. Uh, when someone dies in Egypt, this is part of their funeral rites. comes out of a, a book called The Book of the Dead. Same book from the masterpiece from 1999 starring Rachel Weisz and Brendan Fraser, The Mummy. Uh... <laughs> And it, <laughs> yeah, I know when I read that, I'm like, oh, of course, I know this. It is a masterpiece. <laughs> it is a masterpiece. Everyone knows it's a masterpiece. Yeah. Shout out to the team from The Mummy and Brendan Fraser and Rachel Weiss specifically. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so when someone dies, their heart uh, is put on a scale and it's weighed against a feather. And what they need to do is make sure that their heart, which is kind of this some... Um, total of their actions, who they were, is lighter than that feather. The feather has a name, it's the feather of Matt, M-A-A-T. I'm going to be mispronouncing a lot of stuff as I talk about this, so forgive me if, if you're more familiar with this, if you're Egyptian, I apologize right away. I'm just going to do my best. Uh, but your heart gets weighed, and if your heart is heavier than this feather, uh, Amit eats it. Eats, eats the heart. The name translates to the devourer of the dead. So right away, kind of tells you what what uh, Amit is into, uh, and then afterwards, did you say? Uh, yep. 
Did you say that the that the feather is named Matt? Honestly, worlds colliding. Yeah, it's the feather. Oh, it probably is a different not just better, not just named Matt, but spelled M A T T M A A T. Oh, OK, ah. I thought it yeah, might just be like a little bit of a uh, an ego thing coming through <laughs> here. I'm just naming stuff after myself. <laughs> well, you have, you have the purest heart of all, and therefore that's what we're judged against. People come. People are coming to this episode. This episode is the single source of truth for so many people. Mm-hmm. Nobody's going to... St- you can say anything you want, Matt, and these people are going to believe. So I would love to believe that, Max, but it's certainly not the case. I'm sure we're oh, really? getting a bunch of emails from the fans like, oh, no, you guys were way off. This is what it actually is. And what we've learned is our fans oftentimes know as much or more than we do. Uh, on Reddit one time, and yes, we are all on Reddit, the, the team behind Escaping Denver, uh, I answered a question, just a very benign question, uh, and I got corrected, and the person was right. I was actually mistaken, and I'm like, wow. So I guess if there's I'm, any I'm, internet sleuths out there, they could find my Reddit account just based on that, but I was like, this is humbling. Like, people are wow. really invested and uh, maybe I don't know as much as I think I do. I'm very excited. I'm even more excited now to be on the podcast. Although I will also say I'm suddenly nervous. Wasn't necessarily nervous until hearing that uh, people might be correcting us on the internet. Not that I was, intent- not that I was ever going to. Yeah, I, it's throw information out there willfully incorrect. But you know, you know what I mean. We swear we didn't make any of this up. We did hours and hours of painstaking research and uh the good news is our fans are super nice we have somehow the nicest fans get together which is good because i'm i'm fragile if they said me things to me (laughs) i would uh take it personally i'm thinking about it for a long time um what color is the hairy alligator so the the hair itself like it, it was in the dark it's one of those levels of the facility where you know the lights were off and they they were fleeing it and hiding from it so they don't get a really good look but it's a it's like a it's like a deep brown and mm. where is the hair is it just on the head or is it all over the body it's so it's it's more of a, a mane and then going back to the rest of the body oh, okay like yeah. a chimera type like, like a chimera and yeah. and uh going back to Amit once again not gonna it's Amit uh the, the head is a crocodile so a little different than alligator but you know crocodiles alligators uh the body of a lion and the, the hindquarters of a hippo and I don't think we've described the hindquarters of the animal it's mostly just running at them and they're running or they're hiding and they see it kind of go by so who knows maybe it's got that that hippo lower part of its body as well so your heart's on the scale with the feather back we're back here and uh your your heart is heavier than the feather Amit eats it and your heart is heavier than than the mat then Matt the feather, yeah. M-A-A-T feather. <laughs> the Matt feather. Uh, your heart gets devoured and you become soulless. You're, you're kind of stuck in the state of undead, forever cursed to wander in a, like, uh, a version of purgatory or sometimes almost touching a living world again. Uh, or you're just gone forever. There's kind of two different interpretations. The, the deity's been around for a long time. And it's been both described as a goddess and a demon. It is a female. It is goddess in the in the mythos. And yeah, it it plays this really important role. And I think it gets 
even more interesting. So I'm definitely going to screw up the pronunciation. So if your heart is lighter than the feather of Matt, which is after me, we've established that, uh, <laughs> you go to the Egyptian afterlife and forgive me pronouncing this way. Sukit Aru, which is spelt S-E-K-H-E-T dash A-A-R-U. So good luck. You guys can try to pronounce that at home. It's very tough. Uh, which is called the Field of Reeds, which is what I'm going to call it from now on. So you gain access to the Field of Reeds. You bypass the Lake of, uh, of Lava. We're not going to talk about that. Uh, but this is the interesting part. So Amit is kind of this last guardian separating the worthy and unworthy from entering this Field of Reeds, which is not only where worthy souls reside, it's where the gods themselves reside. And, you know, Unless you pass the test, unless you can get past this watchdog, you cannot have access to this field of reeds, which I thought was quite interesting. Does the hairy alligator act as some kind of gatekeeper in escaping Denver? Um, you know, I, I seem to remember uh, that they had to kind of there was a liminal space they were moving through, and at least the path they chose did lead through the hairy alligator's domain. They they went down some stairs that were full of remains, and they escaped eventually through the lab into the biodome section. So they they did cross through its territory to get to where they are now, but so did Palmer and his death squad, seemingly, or they know a way around the hairy alligator. But hmm. definitely there there's um there's enough there that, you know. If I had a tinfoil hat, I'd be wearing it right now. Is, anybody, is there any fan art of the hairy alligator? Oh, can we, you know, can, can we make a call? A call yeah, I want to I wanna see what this thing could look like. I would love to see the fans interpretation. We've, we've received so much wonderful fan art already about, you know, various characters, some creatures. Uh, there was a really mean drawing of the narrator. Uh, no. some said, <laughs> yeah. Eating a hamburger. I loved it. It's my favorite one. It really hurt the feeling. Of the person who played the narrator. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I, I love that call to arms. If anyone wants to, uh, you know, take a crack at kind of designing what they think this hairy alligator looks like. Their own interpretation. Don't be colored by Amit, which once again, I didn't give the spelling for it. It's A-M-M-I-T. Might be pronounced slightly differently. Uh, yeah, and put it, email it to us. We love that stuff. We have a folder. We fill full of the fan art. You know, put it on the Reddits or the X formerly Twitter wrote out there. We monitor that as well. But yeah, and that goes for a lot of these cryptids. If anyone wants to crack at it and show us what they think it looks like, where we love it. I'm I'm really excited to see what comes out of that. I would like to put out a request for someone in their art of the hairy alligator to please do one where it just has hair on its head, like a beautiful flowing mane. Cause I have this image in my head of just a, just an alligator with like a great solid like pompadour or something. And that's what I want to see rushing at me through a limited a liminal space. Yeah, I think, it's, I mean, like, let's get some variations, you know. Let, yeah, yeah. Th this can be your hairy alligator. Yeah, take you know? many creative. I'm I'm saying this for, for the podcast that <laughs> you produce. I'm just telling people, you know, take creative liberties. <laughs> yeah. I'm excited to see some of the stuff that comes out of that. Um, I do want to say, though, speaking of, you know, gorgeous, beautiful flowing locks, Max Mitchell Let's talk Bigfoot. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So now, see, um, you, you thought we were talking about you at first. You thought we were talking about your hair. <laughs> was a little you Max, do have great hair. Max has wonderful uh, hair because obviously no one can see him right now. He has 
excellent flowing locks, but we are, we are talking about the the old man of the forest right now. The old man of the forest, indeed. I feel like the old man of the forest most days these days. Um, yes. Uh, so when I was recruited to be on this podcast, this particular podcast, this episode that we're talking right now, it was because uh, I had a Bigfoot a Sasquatch podcast about, God, seven, uh, six or seven years ago. What was that and podcast And we called? did an episode. I can't even remember. Max. I can't <laughs> even remember. It was like a feud no, state. So, just you and Bigfoot. Was, yeah. I, I just have a notoriously terrible memory. And, um, and and part of that is because I feel like I uh, my mind has decided that other people will remember details for me, which is not a good trait. And I don't remember. I do not recommend being operating like this. But uh, egotistical. It's narcissistic. Anyways. Um, so we had this uh, this podcast, me and a couple of friends of mine. And because we were all I was very obsessed with Bigfoot for a, you know, about six to eight months of my life. And because I cannot just sit back and just enjoy something like a regular normal person, I have to create or get my fingers dirty and muck around with it. And so in order to, I don't know, satisfy whatever that urge is, I created this podcast. And so here I am now today being brought into this podcast as some kind of Bigfoot expert because my memory is so bad. I, I, I woke up today in a panic. How can I, I can barely, what can I remember about being a quote unquote Bigfoot expert? Oh my God. Now, Max, you know was, you were allowed uh, to do research in addition to pulling from your memory, right? I know, but I'm so, I'm just so, I'm okay. I'm so busy, Marta. I'm the owner operator of Boom Pro Wrestling. It, it's a 24 hour day job. All right, all but, right. But um, yeah, the, uh, I did pull out some nuggets from which I think, um, which I think the the escaping Denver fans who are listening to a, a bonus episode about cryptids right, will I hopefully hopefully will enjoy. And um, like, do I, I do? Do we all we all know what Bigfoot is, right? Like, we don't need to discuss like what is Bigfoot. Do we need to discuss what is Bigfoot? I think it's a given. The so from my time. Uh, of really uh, getting uh, deep deep into Bigfoot. I will tell you that against all odds, against all reason, I still to this day believe that Bigfoot is real. And the reason why is just due to the, um, the reams and reams of firsthand accounts, uh, not of footage, not of photographs, but of people telling their stories, the hundreds and hundreds of people that are out there that have tell that have told their story, but what it was like to see not just see Bigfoot, but then how their life completely spiraled out of control afterwards, because of the people that did not believe them, and because of the paradigm shift that takes place when you see something like this, where. You see something that should not exist, and then suddenly it does. That for a certain for for a certain brand of person, so the average person, it's very difficult to continue to operate in life 
in the same way when everything you've been told is suddenly not real. And so I am a believer in Bigfoot and I want to, I want to throw some things out there for some of the listeners to, to check out. Tell stop me, Matt and Marta. If you've, if you've ever, if you've ever seen these things, okay. I don't want to, I don't want to bore you. This is old news. Um, have you ever yeah, heard? I'm, I'm of very the, excited. Have you ever heard of the white Pennsylvania Bigfoot? The white Pennsylvania Bigfoot. No. White Pennsylvania Bigfoot. That those are your keywords for Googling or YouTubing. Uh, uh, escaping Denver fans. This is a chilling piece of footage that you know. Like I said before, it's not about the, the footage doesn't make me a believer. It's the it's the first hand accounts. But this is a piece of footage that freaks me right out. Guy in the woods. Something with the camera. It's like sepia tone, but it's modern. Late 90s, early 2000s, something like this. Whipping through the woods. Mostly flashlight on, on the ground twigs. And suddenly he pulls the flashlight up. And for a split second, <laughs> Bigfoot is right there, baby. Staring him right in the face and blitzes off to the left. It will chill you to your bones. A, Interesting. The second the, one. Spooky, spooky stuff. I'm, I've yeah. never seen it. I'm, I'm As soon as this is done, I'm going to look this up. I think I've only seen the, the classic Bigfoot video that all of us have seen where he's kind of just in the distance in the woods. I, I rewatched that just today. Yeah. Someone, someone ah, stabilized it. Did you guys it. know? Yeah. Did you know that that classic piece of Bigfoot footage, that is not actually a male Bigfoot, that is a female Bigfoot. Now, whether or not that. that's real, yeah, whether or not that's real, that like, is that real? I mean, ugh, yeah, probably not real, right? Probably not real, but, but it's so strange that whoever was making that hoax, the original, if that is a hoax, the original Bigfoot hoax, the guy had the, uh, I wish I could remember. It's, it's the Gimlin, the Gimlin film. Oh, see, this is me. This is me now reaching back into my uh, Bigfoot obsess, obsessive uh, 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 Rolodex. The Gimlin film, the Gimlin film. The, anyways, the guy, if it is a hoax, the guy had the foresight to not just create a Bigfoot costume, which it looks photorealistic, of course, but to make a female Bigfoot costume. And if you look closely, not to get too scandalous here, but there's there's swinging, there's like swinging, you know, National Geographic breasts in there. Yeah, like that that famous drawing from the X-Files where they draw a Bigfoot with breasts. Oh, with I haven't seen that. Okay. <laughs> it's, wow, yeah. there you go. A, a hole in my, uh, in my expertise. Um, but yeah, the, uh, the, yeah, the, the Kimlin? I want to say it's the Gimlin film. Anyways, um, the, the Gimlin film that that's interesting, of course, because it's so. No, it's, but this white Pennsylvania guy is this some of the it's the scariest piece of Bigfoot footage I've ever seen that isn't very quickly dismissed as um, a sensational hoax. There's some other Bigfoot stuff out there you can watch that will freak you right out. If you look at there's a. The, the only other one that comes close is a uh, is footage of a couple in a car who are the car has a rear view camera. And so somebody is taking is with their cell phone is actually taking footage of the screen in the car that's showing the rear view camera. And they 
hit. They've hit the uh, I believe they've run. They've run over Bigfoot <laughs> with their car and the footage comes on and you can see this huddled this this this, this mass that is crumpled on the road in the middle of nowhere. And then it suddenly stands up and starts chasing after the car and the people start freaking out. Also very scary, but there's something about it that is just so sensational. Doesn't feel real. The white Pennsylvania Bigfoot footage feels scary and weirdly real. Weirdly real. Yeah, Um, and and just circling back, you said that you love Bigfoot and what drew you to it originally makes you believe in it is that to believe in it ruins your life. I just want a little bit of clarity on that. I love it. I love it myself, but it seems dangerous. Seems dangerous to believe in Bigfoot all of a sudden. It does. Well, it's not it's not about believing in Bigfoot ruins your life. It's about actually seeing it. Right. So when you start going down, when you start going down the rabbit hole into the Internet of people who are like Bigfoot is real. I have seen Bigfoot. Right. Or the alternative is Bigfoot is real and I want to see Bigfoot. The people who have seen it are in a constant state of warning to the people who want to see it. And they are saying you do not want to see it. It is real, but you do not want to see it because the paradigm, your perception of reality changes to the point that your life may not recover because you will not, you will stop sleeping at night or you will, you won't shut up about it or everyone will think you're a liar or A, B or C or D. And so it's a very, very, uh, uh, it rocks, it rocks your world. It rocks your world to the point that you may not, you may never be able to recover. That's man. That's, that's it, scarier scary, somehow. Yeah, the, the psychological effects that this has on people. Um, also, Max, before it drives you crazy, the team has done some research in the background. It is the Patterson Gimlin film. Thank you. Is the full name of the footage. Thank you very much. I really appreciate yeah. that. Um, so, White Pennsylvania Bigfoot. If you want to see the scariest piece of Bigfoot media that I can come up with off the top of my, uh, off of one day's worth of research and. The the other piece of uh, Bigfoot media that I think is the most exciting, okay? not scary, but exciting, is something called the Provo um, Utah Thrower, like thrower, like throwing a baseball. Ooh. And if you Google that, what you're going to see is somebody who's pulled up. The, the footage is coming from somebody who's in their car. They pulled over on the side of the road and they are filming a, a what if it is real would be some you know a I mean it's Bigfoot it's Bigfoot and what's exciting about it is that we don't just see Bigfoot lumbering from one one place to the next but he actually picks up a rock and whirls it across the uh, across the scenery and does, like Bigfoot, said, does he throw it at them or does he just he's no. throwing rocks? He's doing, no, he's doing he his own thing and they're just filming him enjoying yes. his day throwing rocks. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, he picks it up and he hurls it. And just like the way he hurls it feels extremely ape-like. It feels it's that same thing with the Patterson Gimlin, which is like, well, somebody, somebody would have had to be thinking so far ahead of the hoax to make this a female Bigfoot, right? Whenever that came out, that was like, what, like 19, it's early, I don't know, 50s or 60s, right? I think Where, it's 60s, yeah. Something like yeah. that, right? So whoever comes up with this is like, okay, we're, we are, this isn't just 
uh, there's so much bad Bigfoot, uh, you know, footage out there. You, when you see, when you, when you start going down the rabbit hole, you're going to see so much just utter garbage. People in masks walking in the woods. This something about this man, it feels like you're looking at an ape that is way too tall and way too strong. And it's very hard to understand how they could have done it. As time goes on with AI and, and computer, computer graphics and blah, 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 it probably will actually lose some of its edge. But I saw this thing seven, eight, nine years ago, and it's really hard to understand how somebody could have pulled that off using technology from that time. So it's a really exciting, it's not scary, but it's very exciting to watch because of the rock being tossed. So I would recommend to anybody to watch that as well. And uh, yeah, and then I would also just say uh, that uh, I was given an assignment uh, when I was recruited to this to talk with some variations on Bigfoot. And probably the the one mythical ape that is most most likely to exist is something called the Orang Pandak, mm. and that is okay. the Indonesian version of Bigfoot. Um, it's a the amount of sightings are higher and more credible than anything else um i believe like bones you know bones are being unearthed uh regularly it feels to at least to my uh my my co-host from my bigfoot podcast from back in the day uh who is a who is an actual working archaeologist that based on the evidence that he's seen that uh the orang pandek does exists from like a forensic scientific place but um still has yet to be uh uh proven without a doubt that that's yeah you heard it here first confirmed orang pandak there was actually i was i was reading about this i was reading about this today while i was doing my research because um the uh i've already lost the name the Center for Fortean Zoology, um, one of the cryptozoologists who I'm going to talk about for one of my creatures that I've, I'm looking at, um, he actually led an, expedi- an expedition last year to Sumatra to find this creature. Amazing. So it's, it's, there's people in 2022, <clears throat> people were looking for him. Absolutely. It, it, I believe, I'm, I'm a, like I said, I'm a believer that these, that these apes exist. The Orangpan deck is the one that the scientific community has enough evidence to collect at least the there's an that there is a uh, um there's more support for that particular mythical ape as being alive and if that one is there if that is true right then it becomes even harder and harder to dismiss these other these other apes as being 100% mythical so, um, you know, yeah, keep an eye out for it. Yeah, I mean, it's really interesting because, I mean, like, the idea of having, like, a giant terrestrial ape not only isn't, you know, plausible, it 
they they did exist. Like there there is 100% conclusive evidence that a species called uh, Gigantopithecus existed for those. Gigantopithecus, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like they they were real. They you know they grew up to eight feet tall. They would sometimes walk on their hind legs. Uh, they were primarily herbivorous, but there's some evidence that they would occasionally not only be omnivorous, but they may have been chased down predators, which is terrifying Ooh. and existed in groups. Yeah. Think about that being chased like an, by a group of apex predators, a group of Bigfoot chasing you down and eating you. Thank goodness. It seems as though the Bigfoots, the, 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 the variations of Bigfoots, the Yetis, uh, rang Pentex are peaceful and thank goodness. Cause I do think about what it could be like the other way. You know, if these things were real and people were going missing and maybe they are, maybe, maybe that's part of it as well. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the legends that I've seen about big, big feet, big, big feet, the Sasquatch family of <laughs> those, creatures. Those with large feet, I think. Bigfoot, those with large feet. Yeah. Um, I know a lot of it also comes from North American indigenous mythology, um, especially here in the Pacific Northwest. And there's a lot of talk about these creatures like the Sasquatch being kind of a protector of the forest so they're they are generally a peaceful species but they're here to kind of act as a spirit who keeps the forest safe from humans so they're they're gonna do what they have to do to protect their home but their their goal is to kind of keep the spirit of the forest alive and safe from people yeah which i i honestly think that's kind of beautiful i think that's fantastic i think that's a a wonderful little mythos and you know I love that. I love that energy for, for the those with big feet, that they are these kind of benevolent mm-hmm. protectors. Uh, and in the podcast, we certainly saw that, you know, if they were around or when they were around, they weren't always being seen. And they clearly had the capability to, to kill them or the way they ripped Palmer in half. Uh, and they they only, you know, acted with violence out of extreme necessity. So maybe some parallels there. Interesting. Uh, I can say, listen, from uh, my impression of Bigfoot, from what I have seen, from what I have uh, heard, from what I have researched, is that any of this idea of this being some sort of benevolent forest spirit is, you can throw that out the window. This is a, oh yes, no, forget it, forget it. This is a, if this, if it exists, if it exists, and by the way, and again, I just want—I cannot—I cannot emphasize enough that the footage I talked about is not—is not what convinces convinces me. It's the—it's the first-hand accounts that convinces me. And the first-hand accounts, none of them are like, "Oh, a bigfoot came out of the forest and gave me a daisy," right? Or a bigfoot came out of the forest and told my grandpa not to spill oil into the creek. It's this is our large, dangerous animals. And sure. uh, so, you know, but they're so, so acting to protect their interests. A person is in the woods invading their land. They don't know who that. Sure, sure. They're going to they're going to go to protect them. Like a, in the same way that like a, a horse fly would or a, uh, a mother you know, bear uh, protecting your cubs. We, yeah. you sure. But even then, even then, like, I don't know, like. We don't know the temperament or anything like this, you know, to say even saying mother bear. Yes, I understand. Yeah, that was a bad but, using um, using a bear as a as a nonviolent entity was I immediately recognized that is probably <laughs> but, like, but yeah, it's just like it's a uh these things are these things 
uh, are definitely definitely dangerous like extremely dangerous and extremely um like let's like, think about a chimpanzee right oh yeah chimpanzee mm-hmm. a chimpanzee are, will tear your face off right the chimpanzees are not friendly not, for anyone no. yeah that like that can't emphasize mm-hmm. that enough i i get your analogy right away max sorry to yeah. interrupt mm-hmm. no 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 I, that, and that's it that's my analogy it's a chimp. Think about a chimpanzee. It's not that it's not the caretaker of the jungle. It's a homicidal maniac. If you know, in the same way that any human could be a homicidal maniac. What I'm trying to say is, if you <laughs> see a Bigfoot, don't expect them to be to usher you into some sort of natural utopia. Like, stay the hell away. Okay. Don't, so don't. Harry and the Hendersons is an incorrect depiction. Got it. Okay. It I think that that's a truth I wasn't ready for personally. I, yeah. Well. <laughs> We all have to face that one day or another. A goofy movie may be a bit more accurate, but. Which strangely, this is a, a, a good segue to a question I have uh, for Max. Now, obviously, you're you're looking at it from a scientific perspective, like this, mm. this creature exists in the natural world. Do you think it has some uh, comparable level of intelligence to a person? Mm. Could it be capable of speech? Could it be capable of understanding speech? It's like on a scale of baboon to coco the gorilla or is it in its own league up up with us humans so there, uh, that's a really interesting question so there is some very famous audio that was captured by some um zoologists anthropologists crypto zoologists whatever you how you want to describe uh where they went to um a sasquatch hotbed and they basically set up microphones and um recorded uh, this sounds ridiculous. I can hear my. I can hear myself. It is with ridiculous. it. I, I'm How ready ridiculous to hear it. it sounds. But we, but they recorded um, in the field, basically like Sasquatch conversation, and it is um, uh, crazy, of course, like to our human ears. Um, and but it 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 is at a level that does not feel like it goes beyond uh your what you would expect like an ape to say right it's it's way it's way faster it's sort of like imagine chimpanzees talking with the same level of um enunciation and articulation that a human being does but it's still sounding like a chimpanzee if that makes sense i'm gonna have to and so to it. yes you should and so should all your listeners um, I wish I could remember. I wish I could come up with some keywords for people to Google, but it's um, if if that audio recording is legitimate, and these are some very you know um, serious scientist people, then I think just based on the language itself, it feels to me when I heard it, it was akin to something like dolphins, you know, like. That kind of level. Now, if you pit me versus a dolphin, I think I am smarter than a dolphin. Okay. Uh, I know that some people might want to believe that dolphins are whatever, like some supernatural smart, whatever, whatever, whatever. But I believe I could beat a dolphin in like a game of checkers. And I believe I could beat Bigfoot in a game of checkers. But a bold statement and a bold challenge to all of the big kids. Yeah. And dolphins. That's right. That's right. But yeah. But uh, but I do believe that like uh, they would sit down for the game. You know what I mean? 
Like there seems yeah, to be a lot of intelligence there. Something. Yeah. This yeah. is this is your uh, seventh seal. <laughs> Sitting down to play yeah. checkers with the Bigfoot <laughs> yes, instead of yes, playing chess with Bigfoot. And checkers with Bigfoot. Oh my God! Give me that. <laughs> yeah. Give me give me a guest uh, give me a guest episode on uh, a little side a little uh, side story in uh, escaping Denver. Um, I love this. One episode um, only. I just me want to throw it out there. Real... Checkers. <laughs> I would love to listen to it. Um, I do want to throw it out there that our uh, research team has said that they're going to try and look up some of these links and throw some info up on Instagram regarding all of the things that are being mentioned here. Because, Max, I think you're throwing out some very interesting footage that I, I want to fall down this rabbit hole immediately. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, I'm, I'm so glad by far. I would also like to uh, move on because we talked a little bit about kind of the violent tendencies mm -hmm. of the Bigfoot. Um, and I was hoping that I could jump to one of my creatures that is also quite a violent character, um, which is the Chupacabra. Oh, yeah. Very exciting. Yes. Very exciting. Um, so Chupacabra translates literally from Spanish to goat sucker. Um, mm. This is a vampiric creature that is said to attack and drink the blood of livestock. Um, so the name Chupacabra was originally given to this creature by a uh, Puerto Rican comedian and radio DJ named uh, Silverio Perez, uh, who had kind of commented on some recent attacks in the mid 90s. Something. So that's where that originated are from. You, wait, are you telling me that the name Chupacabra was originated in the mid 90s 19 yes that is one of the things that i find the most interesting about the chupacabra is that the the, the real the first chupacabra sightings were only reported in 1995. there was a series of attacks in 1975 where um in the small town of uh mocha puerto rico where um a bunch of livestock were killed and supposedly bled dry through a series of small circular incisions. Um, and initially it was thought that it was done by satanic cultists because it was the 70s mm. and satanic panic was just starting to kind of take hold. Um, but, but eventually it kind of got attributed to um, what, what they called uh, El Vampiro de Mocha, the Vampire of Mocha. I apologize for my Spanish pronunciation. I am not fluent in any languages other than English. Um, so, so there there was that that kind of happened in the 70s and then in 1995 another widespread series of animal killings took place in puerto rico so that's kind of where the idea of this chupacabra creature originated from um, this is this is blowing my mind yeah the it, it chupacabra, blew my mind. chupacabra was it's new a, a new but also ex exclusively to puerto rico in uh, the initial stories, yes. Later on, we do hear stories of sightings uh, in, I think, a couple years ago. I say a couple years ago. This could have been in, like, the late 90s as well. There were some um, some reports of it potentially in India. There was a bunch of livestock that had been killed. Um, but it, it was determined that it was probably stray dogs that did that. Um, <laughs> There's a lot think. of stray dogs in but, India. I've been there. There's yeah. a, lot of, a lot of stray there dogs. Are. There's yeah. yeah, exactly. There are. Chupacabra um, or but, but yeah. just some fucking stray dogs? Sorry, I didn't mean to swear. Oh, sorry. Uh, we're allowed to swear. This isn't. Oh, okay, okay. But yeah, the pr predominantly ch Chupacabra stories are uh, within uh, Puerto Rico, Latin America, and then also the Southwestern United States. Um, 
So there's a couple of different ways this creature has been described in Puerto Rico and Latin America. Typically, typically it's described as being about the size of a bear. Uh, it's a reptilian kind of alien looking creature. Um, and it hops around on its hind legs like a kangaroo. This is um, whereas completely it, different than what I had ever pictured in my head. Yeah, you you might be picturing what I picture when I think of the chupacabra, which is what's usually thought of in the southwestern United States, which is more of a dog-like creature. Um, so like a hairless dog that's got really pronounced fangs and claws mm. and like big bulging eye sockets. Um, I guess I had never, which is why I think, I think something in my mind had conflated it with the goat sucker. And I think in my mind, it was always looked like a goat, <laughs> which, oh, is, which is wrong. But, but, but all of this is now completely out of, out the window. If the first sightings, if the first, if there were, has there, it was, were there even sightings in Puerto Rico? So that's, that's what's very heavily debated. So the very first eyewitness account of a chupacabra was given by a woman named um, Madeline Tolentino in 1995. Uh, she claimed that she had seen this creature in the area where a bunch of, I think, eight sheep had just been found dead. Um, mm. And she was in the area. She gave a description of this creature. However, the description that she gave was almost identical to the alien from the movie Species, which she had just seen in theaters like a few like weeks prior. Are you serious? So, so it's yeah, more of a celebrity sense. Like, I can't tell Marta. Are you is, joking? No, is, is that a joke or is that serious? No, it is. You can you can look in you know the archive.org. You can find some old news articles where this was initially reported. So this is kind of where that's that reporting started where this radio dj picked it up and was like oh we're going to call it the the goat sucker the chupacabra this is just um, guerrilla marketing for the movie species pretty in, much in fact in fact i just wanted to throw this out to you really quickly this episode of escaping Denver is brought to you by the film species came in 1995 <laughs> ben kingsley's finest <laughs> yeah actually yeah. just really quickly about that 1995 date do you know what else happened in 1995 what the denver national airport opened Coincidence? Oh, oh yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, Denver, the Southwest United in. States. Yeah. Yeah. This okay. is a big. This is a big sticking point for me with the cryptid stuff. Is like, okay, uh, I can imagine. I can. I can. I'm open minded enough to be like, okay, there's some weird thing that kills goats on in Puerto Rico, and nobody's seen it. Nobody's. There's no footage, or it's all grainy footage, or whatever. And if you have livestock in Puerto Rico, you probably know about it, or maybe your grandpa has seen it or whatever, but it's Puerto Rican specific because Puerto Rico, this is key, is an island, right? So whatever is taking place outside of Puerto Rico is, we're talking about India here, right? This is not the same thing. There's no way, there's just no way. How does this, how does something like this get, get this momentum? It's mind boggling. I mean, there's there's many ways that creatures can travel across continents. They can sneak onto, you know, sneak onto ships, sneak onto the chupacabra snuck onto a ship to India. Dracula did it. Not to India, on, but he, on the Demeter in theaters yeah. now. In theaters, this is also brought to you by the film Demeter out yeah. in theaters now. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, there's ways these things can spread. 
I think it makes more sense if we think about it as looking at, you know, like Latin America as a whole, because there's probably going to be a lot more frequent travel between Puerto Rico and a place like Mexico um, or even the southwestern United States, because Puerto Rico is a U.S. territory. So it makes more sense that those would be accurate. And they and they have confirmed that the ones in India, while they were thought to be a variant of the Chupacabra, are in fact dogs. Um, which is also a lot of the ex existing reports of um, chupacabras overall have just been canids. So a lot of times it's a coyote with mange. Mm -hmm. um, there's a specific breed of Mexican hairless dogs called the Xoloitz uh, Quintle or the Sholo for short. Um, they're very cute dogs, but they are completely hairless. And there's a lot of, um, similar to India, there's a lot of stray dogs in Mexico. Mm -hmm. So a mm -hmm. lot of people will see these dogs with, you know, giant ears and no hair and immediately think, monster totally um which is so, so heartbreaking to, it is it is as the owner of a mexican street dog who has big ears and had very little hair when i got her it is very heartbreaking they, they are chupacabras might be evil but dogs good boys and girls across the board absolutely absolutely shout out to all the dogs in the shout world. out shout out to dogs we love you yeah <laughs> so this episode brought to you by dogs <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, so so and there's you know, there's been similar reports. Uh, I think in 2010, there was a University of Michigan biologist named Barry O'Connor who came to the conclusion that all of the Chupacabra reports in the US were coyotes that were infected with a specific parasite that would have left them with no no fur, thickened skin, and like a really weird, disgusting odor to them. Mm. Um, so there is a lot of skepticism around these creatures. Yeah, just because there is a way to kind of explain it based on the sightings. Um, none of the reported deaths were ever subjected to a necropsy, which is the only way that you could tell that all of their blood had been drained. They just It was just kind of assumed that their blood had been drained based on mm. the bite wounds. So it's tough to say it's it doesn't fully explain the sightings where they're saying that it's you know the size of a bear and hops around on its hind legs there are a, a lot of accounts of the chupacabra being on its hind legs mm. um outside of the woman who watched the movie species and got really excited about it so <laughs> i'll never get over this <laughs> yeah i know it's, it's it's my favorite fact that i read while doing this research um but yeah i i i think they're a fascinating creature and i yeah, they're they're cool. They're scary though. Matt, what do you think? Yes or no? Chupacabra exists, yes or no. <clears throat> you know, it doesn't feel right for me to weigh in specifically on its existence. Mm -hmm. I think the the coyote with mange theory, I've seen some of those videos, and it can be sad. It's some I saw one and it almost looked rabbit as well. Yeah. And it's like everyone's like, oh monster. And it's like someone's gotta help help the guy out. He's yeah. just not he's not doing he's well sick. right now. Yeah, he's a sick. He's a sick up out there in the woods. And maybe with a bit of kindness, we can, can help all the chupacabras. I <laughs> personally, I'm not. a. am <laughs> not a you know, I'm not buying any chupacabra repellent if that's, if that's yeah. your question. I'm I'm in a similar boat. I'm 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 a pretty, you know, pretty skeptical person. And I, I've seen enough images of, you know, dogs with mange to think, yeah, that is kind of scary looking, but mm. it's still a dog. And, you know, wild dogs kill livestock. Coyotes kill livestock all mm. the time. So yeah. it just makes sense. Yeah. Um, Max, what about you? What, yeah. Where do you well, I, stand uh, on? I mean, just based on the facts I've heard so far, I, it, to me, yeah, that uh, I, I'm not convinced, but yeah. I would love to hear some 
um, eyewitness accounts, firsthand, you know, storytelling, mm-hmm. then maybe maybe I could be convinced. But so far, I don't know, man. I don't know. It doesn't sound doesn't. I, I hate to be a spoiler. I hate to be a, a downer. I just I'm not I, I can't say I'm a believer. Okay. I think I think the amount that you talked about how how deeply you believe in Bigfoot takes away you being a spoiler because of how intensely <laughs> you hold this belief. So I think you're good. I think it's okay to be a little skeptical. Yeah. So so we've talked about, you know, chupacabras and the Bigfoot and the hairy alligator. Um, but there's one creature that, Matthew, you had done some research on that I had never heard of this creature. I'm really interested to learn about this. Yeah, so it, it's a bit of a strange one. Actually, at the time of this recording, uh, both Marta and Max have not listened to the episode where the, the shadow deer appear. They they do factor oh. heavily in. I, I It's the fans right now. You're living in the future. You've heard this episode and you're probably like, what the heck were those things? But uh, essentially Noah's treed by a pack of anthropomorphic deer monsters that live in the shadows. Uh, and right away, I'm like, ooh, nightmare fuel. This is it's this spooky, scary stuff. These deers that, you know, were intelligent enough to both hunt in a pack. And once again, deer is kind of misnomer. They have horns. Their full figure wasn't completely understood or revealed, but it was something anthropomorphic, but maybe with the the hind hooves of a deer or maybe the, the four hooves as well, deer antlers but definitely not acting like acting like a predator. Uh, and this was born out of the, the talented writer of Escaping Denver's uh, mind, but it was inspired, uh, you know, and gently by a bunch of things. And that's the interesting thing about it. It's not one cryptid or one piece of mythology. Uh, it, in fact, represents a lot. In fact, I could, I could talk at modicum until we run out of uh, space on the card just about all the different uh, cryptids and, and you know deities and monsters and demons that kind of share this representation. I'm sure you listening right now probably are thinking about a few you know yourself. So I just want to focus kind of on on three three kind of distinct representation of beings that kind of tie into uh, how they're acting and kind of the world of Escaping Denver, and also kind of touch on popular depiction of folklore. Because if anyone watched the show Grimm or, or Supernatural or played the game The Witcher. You're probably thinking exactly what I thought when we first wrote about him, which is, you know, I've seen this thing before. Uh, so I, I want to start with Celtic mythology. I'm, I'm going to talk about three. They're not in any specific order, but I, I figured what the heck start with the Celts. Uh, once again, the, the full disclaimer, I'm going to mispronounce a lot of names. So I'm going to try to spell them just so people can figure out if they want to do a bit of supplementary research. Uh, what what the heck I'm talking about. So in, in Celtic mythology, uh, Cernonus, which is spelled C-E-R-N-U-N-N-O-S, uh, is, it's, a, it's a deity. It's a forest protector, and it kind of existed throughout the, the Celtic, Celtic mythos, which is really widespread if anyone knows anything about it. You know, everywhere from Turkey to Ireland to Spain. Uh, and it's this ancient uh, god being that... Uh, you know, lived in the forest, protected the forest. Uh, and just to just to kind of give you an idea of how old this story is, where it began, when the Romans headed out building the Roman Empire, they encountered these Celts and proto-Celts, and they were 
already worshiping this deity. They had, this was already part of uh, their belief system. And it was depicted as uh, essentially a man with the horns or partial features of a deer. Uh, it, you know, lived in the woods. Uh, it, like a lot of Celtic deities, it, it, it's tough, tough to say if it was good or bad. It, it kind of had its own thing going on. Basically, if you're respectful of the woods, you were more or less okay, but sometimes you weren't. Uh, and then, of course, as uh, Christianity spread, there was a, a little bit of cultural den- genocide that went on lot of the pagan uh, groups there and it was then that's when it switched into being a monster and its depiction kind of changed and it it was influenced by other groups and it kind of appeared in different ways uh and and kind of lived on through it this this the general concept uh in in like hellenistic societies the god of madness pan if anyone's familiar with that he was depicted as more mm-hmm. like a satyr type figure only sometimes he does have deer horns as well uh, is, you know, inspired by or related to at least this same deity, uh, the Green Man, which is a really interesting rabbit hole if anyone wants to fall down. And- yeah, the Green Man is a rabbit hole that I could I, I could live in that rabbit hole because it's so interesting. It, it's what, 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 what is the Green Man? So the Green Man, it, in fact, if anyone ever, I, I always think of the British Isles when I think about the Green Man, just because it's so well represented uh, in their architecture there. It's this this man usually surrounded by foliage quite often with deer horns and it's this this spirit of nature uh and it's existed kind of in the zeitgeist of a lot of western european cultures once again specifically in the british isles and it was born out of this this celtic mythos that was driven underground you know saint patrick driving snakes out of ireland but it's kind it's hung on it's still there a bit and because of it being uh, not obviously the the mainstream religion anymore. It was fractured a little bit, uh, but you know a lot of this ideas around shape changing and the natural world and elements of you know the underground and transitioning kind of between life and death like that. Those elements that are they're shared between the Celtic deity and the Green Man still exist. But I mean, you know, if you look at a lot of churches, which is really strange, uh, a lot of churches, uh, you know, older churches, you know, 17th century you'll find quite often multiple depictions of the green man, which is Mm. related to, or a variation of this very, very Celtic deity that's ancient. Uh, But it's kind of a personification of of nature. Uh, And it's had a bit of green man in escaping Denver. Am I right, Marta? Absolutely. I think I honestly, I think (laughs) it's a great idea. I'm going to pass it along to the writer's room. Um, (laughs) Um, and I just wanted to quickly, I got to move on because we can't talk all night, although I find this so interesting. Uh, you know, there has been a resurgence uh, in Wicca, uh, which is, uh, if people don't know, it's a pagan belief system. And pagan pagan belief, uh, it, it's it's kind of, it's a broad term, paganism. It's it's a belief, it's kind of naturalism. Uh, that That's probably the best way to describe it. So there's natural elements and beings that represent natural orders and species and and you know, mechanical pieces of nature. That's kind of what paganism at, is at its core. It's not Satanism that they're, they're not the same thing. There's sometimes there's overlap. Sometimes there's not very pluralistic, uh, but you know, uh, some pagans now are, are looking to what they, they describe as the, the horned God or the horned man. And uh, it, it's kind of widely understood that that's once again, the, the fractured idea of 
Cernonis, the green man, Pan, kind of rolled together, kind of holding the same pantheon of thoughts about madness and nature and the transition to the underworld and a similar depiction, kind of this hybrid, whether it be a goat or a deer or an elk with a, with a human being. So, you know, even though it started a long time ago, uh, it, it's kind of had this resurgence and the, the thing that it's attributed to now and, and a lot of major wicked groups uh, is male animals, specifically fertility, hunt and the underworld. That's kind of mm. what what it exists as now, which is but that's not the only depiction uh, of these shadow deers that we we kind of ran into. Uh, there is and I'm going to say this name and and anyone who's read the the Witcher book series or played the games, you might recognize the name Leshy. Yeah. So th- yeah, that was so this what I is, thought of when you when the minute you said the Witcher, I was like, oh, I know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I I think a lot of people are doing that, which I think is cool. That you know, these kind of less defined cryptids, it's like we're allowed to plug and play a little bit with what we think it might be. Uh, so the the Leshy once again, pagan uh, deity, forest spirit. It's more forest spirit. It. it uh, it is a pagan Slavic and proto-Slavic uh, group. Just quickly, it's Slavic peoples are the people of Central, South, and Eastern Europe primarily. So if you think, you know, Poland uh, down to uh, Romania, Ukraine, Belarus, like th- those are the Slavic people. Uh, and it, it started out similar, kind of same pantheon as the the... Celtic counterpart, it, it was a guardian spirit of the forest, and it's like, if you come in and take what you need, you're more or less cool. It, it wasn't a malicious spirit, but at the same time, it was capable of, you know, defending the forest, and also it would sometimes lead people astray and test them. Uh, it, it was it was almost more like a natural element, like Max, like when you're talking about Bigfoot, you know, being essentially an animal, and like to, to paint it as, it's basically, if, if, if you're yes. good... It's going to give you flowers. That was not how the Leshy was described. Mm. Uh, it, it had intelligence. It was also a shapeshifter, but it would appear sometimes as uh, a humanoid with deer antlers. It could change its size. It could become the wind. It could become different animals. Uh, it had the my favorite way to protect yourself from it, which is I think is incredible. Uh, if it starts drawing you off the path, because it would do that sometimes, if you put your clothes on inside out and put your shoes on the wrong feet, uh, you defeat its power. You can escape the Leshy, which I love. I love that for the Leshy. And it was seemingly singular at a time. Uh, But then, of course, uh, Christianization happened. So when the pagan believes, once again, that's when it was kind of redefined not only as a monster, malevolent spirit of the forest. uh, It was pluralized. There are Leshies. There's multiple of them. They're they're usually in every wooded area. regular Christian iconography can drive them off and they still maintain intelligence. But once again, it's really colored with malice and they kind of changed a few things about it in the earlier Leshy They sometimes would take kids. It was, it was kind of one of those stories like anything else. Hansel, well, I guess not a Hansel battle, but basically a, a folklore story for kids. Like don't go wandering in the woods. Well, once Christianization happened, they became monsters. That was their intent. They were trying to kidnap children, but they're also adults. Uh, and I found it really interesting. It's not clear what they do with them. It doesn't say like they eat them up or they, you know, ransom them or whatever. They just disappear. They disappear in the woods with the leshies, uh, and they do things like whistle, 
like they would hum and whistle. So there was like, if you're walking in the woods by yourself and you hear whistling, don't leave the path for any reason. Sometimes it would sound like a bird, like a songbird to try to draw you off. Uh, but once you're gone, once they've taken you, they often will try to replace you with one of their offspring, another young Leshy, which can shape change into you. It basically becomes a, a dim-witted, mean-spirited, uh, cruel version of you. But otherwise, it, it just seems like you had a big transformation shift. There's also sometimes they can't speak. That was that was something thrown in there. But I, I like the other one more, which is kind of mean, stupider version of yourself. <laughs> uh, and the only, there's like two ways you can discover them as what they are. Uh, which is obviously you recognize like this person's a jerk now. They weren't a jerk before. Something's gone on here. But they also don't cast shadows, which I thought was pretty, pretty neat. Ooh, that's, yeah. that's spooky. That is spooky stuff. Uh, the last thing I want to talk about, and uh, I'll, I'll go faster with this one. Uh, in the Algonquin language groups of First Nations people, uh, there's the story of the Wendigo, which yeah. is a really interesting. A lot of people have heard of it. A lot of variations. We're on the we're on the west coast here, and there's uh, some deities, or there, there's some spirits and stories that sometimes get called the Wendigo. There's one out here that's more of like a wise version. I'm going to talk specifically about the the one that occurs once again in this Algonquin language group. It's east coast. It's uh, it's the Great Lakes. It's the plains. So the Cree people over to uh, you know the Iroquois and. Uh, the Mi'kmaq, and like oh, those, those group, it's it's very broad, and the story itself is quite broad. And I wanted to once again, uh, just a quick uh, disclaimer. I think this is really important. Uh, the Wendigo, as people have probably seen or read, often is depicted with a deer head. If we look to the oral traditions and we look to the early anthropological writers, that's not how they depicted it. That was that was kind of changed after the fact, and it was likely uh, Europeans colonizers coming over and sharing their stories and combining with these other deities, like the two I just spoke about, and kind of recoloring what it is. The the Wendigo wasn't quite as it is, but it is what it is now for some people at least. Mm-hmm. Are, uh, are but, you guys are you guys familiar with Wendigo from Marvel Comics? I'm not. Marta? No. I'm it's a nerd, like but I'm a, not that big of a nerd. Okay, uh, this is this is obscure Wendigo stuff. Uh, Wendigo in the comics was sort of like a, uh, you know, like a big, strong villain sort of character uh, that I think was uh, presented as a villain to Alpha Flight, which was the oh. Canadian superhero team. Very excited. I'm familiar with Alpha Flight. Yeah. The Canadian X-Men, yes. All which- white. Oh, we don't love that. We could update no. that. But I, I did love Puck because mm-hmm. he was an Alpha Flight and he was a, a rotund man <laughs> well, who dresses a fur. The, the white, the white <laughs> was the fur because it's like Arctic. You know, it's like an Arctic fox. It's like fur. It's camouflage. Oh, it okay. Sense. I thought you meant Alpha Flight was all white. Was what you were oh, saying? Oh, yeah. That's. Yeah. I, and I was thinking. I'm like, isn't Bigfoot on Team Alpha Flight? Yeah. No, actually, I believe Alpha Flight the, the team was actually quite diverse. Well, I, we love yeah. that. We love that a lot. Yes. But and Bigfoot was a member of Alpha Flight, correct? Or I think it was Sasquatch actually. If it's okay, I'm gonna quickly circle back to the Wendigo just because yes. I don't want to monopolize all of our time. Uh, the 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 Wendigo version in the, in the First Nation tradition in the specific groups I was talking about, uh, 
very diverse, but there's some commonalities. I thought those were really interesting to talk about, which is uh, a Wendigo is is a cannibal at its core. It, it eats people, but that's an important distinction. It's not a monster that eats people. It's a person who willingly chose to eat another person that kind of set started this journey for them, that they become a Wendigo and there's no turning back. Uh, and I think that that's pretty interesting. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like it's, it's a curse, right? It's a it's a curse. And yes, 100 percent. It's a curse. And like even they, they create this hunger for themselves that can never be satisfied. They always need to eat more. They could eat you know, 100 people in a row, but now they need to eat 200 people to be full. So they'll never reach that period of being full. Uh, they're also the personification of just anti-socialism and and uh, and greed and gluttony. Uh, they don't lose their intelligence. Seemingly, it seems like they might even become slightly more cunning. Uh, but they're just driven. They're singular in their purpose. They just want to eat and 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 consume more and more and more. Uh, and a lot of the stories talk about you know they'll target small groups in the woods who don't know it's there or they'll try to lure people out of villages but when the Wendigo interacts with groups of people like complete whether it be family units or, or a village or whatever almost exclusively defeated or it flees because they're also cowardly they'll run uh, and I you know that's interesting uh, and as we talk about the scientific perspective there's actually uh, something called the uh, psychosis this is a real thing you can look mm. it up in you know medical journals mm. and it, it's this this belief it's a you know, it's, it's belief people get in their heads and usually it's in, in cultures that are familiar with the wendigo uh that they become obsessed with the idea that either they may become possessed or they are possessed and the idea of eating a person or eating people and in some rare cases uh acting on it there have been cases of uh of people who ate other people because they thought that they had been possessed by a Wendigo or are they becoming a Wendigo. Uh, there's a, a case from 1878 in Canada, a man who, who was part of the Cree Nation, I believe. His name was Swift Runner. Uh, during a winter, he, uh, he killed and ate his wife and five children. Uh, he was apprehended at the time by the authorities. Uh, he was he confessed after they captured him, and this is considered the first case of Wendigo syndrome that like modern medicine had encountered. It kind of created this idea about what Wendigo syndrome is, and they executed him. They're like, this, this guy's crazy, ate his family. That at the time that seemed like the right thing to do, but uh, over the years there have been other cases, not quite as sensational as that one. Uh, there's also been cases of you know people persecuting others in the group claiming that they are becoming Wendigos or they are Wendigos. And there was actually uh, an, another gentleman who was a medicine man and a chief among I don't want to I don't want to say the wrong tribe, but I believe it may have been the Ojibwe. Uh, and he he killed several people thinking they were Wendigos or becoming Wendigos. And he actually went to, to jail for life. They, they That happened in Canada and he he yeah. it turned out that he was the Wendigo after all. Uh, yeah, basically, maybe. I mean, he's considered to have did Wendigo this, syndrome. Did this happen he recently? Was, like, was that was that a, was that a bad taste joke for me? I'm not sure. No, I think it's I think it's been over. I should take better notes. 
I, I, I believe it happened. I want to say in the 1960s. Someone's going to oh, fact yeah, check that. Get anyway. away with it. I think we're allowed yeah. to make this joke now. Um, hey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Three very unique uh, depictions of these horned monsters or, or deer headed monsters. I don't know which one necessarily fits the best. I personally like the Leshy. I just think it's very interesting. But uh, yeah. we love to hear what the fans think the shadow deer might be. Or maybe it's something completely different. Maybe it's not a Wendigo or, uh, you know, the Green Man. It could be something else. Yeah, absolutely. And the fans, just as a reminder, fans, we really want you to join in on the conversation on over on Reddit at r slash escaping Denver. Um, tell us what you think. I want I want to hear more about people's like, what are they most afraid of in terms of is it the Leshy? Is it the Wendigo? Like, I'm, I'm going to be joining that subreddit probably as soon as we end this <laughs> podcast. I want to I know we have to wait a while until this episode goes up, but I'm really excited to hear what people think. Um, we are getting short on time here. We are going to have to wrap it up soon. So I just have one final question for everyone on the call, and I just want a quick one word answer of all of the creatures that we've discussed today. Matthew, which one are you the most? It scared has of? to be the shadow deer. There, there's something about them. Yeah, they, they seem so smart and malevolent. I just, I wouldn't want to tussle with them. Don't want to be around them. Once again, whether it be a Wendigo, Leshy, or the impossible pronounced Celtic version, not interested. Scares me the most. Excellent. That was a great one-word answer. Thank you, uh, Max. What's your <laughs> one-word answer? For things what that I'm most scared afraid of? of. Of all of all the creatures we discussed, which one scares you the most? Um, I mean, listen. Uh, the the one that sounds <laughs> one word. I, one I word. feel like if I were if I were to encounter that a hairy alligator, I would be extremely concerned for my safety. Uh, but uh, I also I just feel like I have to say Bigfoot. I have to say Sasquatch. Can't stress this enough. If you see one in the woods, listeners don't they're not they're they're not your friend they're not they're going to punch a hole through your chest you're gonna be you're gonna be they're gonna be wearing you like a bracelet get away from them absolutely and i don't know how many times i had to say one word to get that full paragraph out of you so i really appreciate that um my answer is uh shadow deer thank you so much everyone (laughs) for joining us to listen to us discuss the creatures of Escaping Denver. Um, Once again, join us on Reddit at r slash Escaping Denver. Cannot wait to continue this conversation. Thank you so much for inviting me to join this. Uh, This has been so much fun. I love the podcast and I love talking about stuff like this. So thank you for inviting me to the Escaping Denver team. Thank you so much. 